Good morning. This is the Daily Wrestling News Show for March 27th, and we are on a mission to teach, learn, and remember the history of professional wrestling with everyone that wants to join us. My name is Ryan Joy, and on today's episode, we are talking about WrestleMania 11. John and I are both here. We've been counting down WrestleManias all month long, just about. And today we have the uh, pleasure to be talking about WrestleMania 11. <laughs> yeah, I, I was going to interject with, do we have to? <laughs> the, the funny thing is, uh, WrestleMania 11 is uh, such a bad rap. Uh, seven match card, and there's no good ones. I don't <laughs> really, there's not really a bright spot on the thing. And, uh, but having said that, it garnered enormous interest. Uh, we know Lawrence Taylor in the main event, Lawrence Taylor of the New York Giants, he garnered a ton of interest for WWE in this. It was a legit sellout. It was pretty good on pay-per-view buys. Uh, but no matter what you do, you look back at this, and this is like the weakest WrestleMania. I, th I think it's the weakest WrestleMania. Yeah. Yeah, and, and like everything you could point out about it is kind of... I don't want to say a bummer, but you know, like it's the first WrestleMania. Maybe you you can co come in with something different, but it's WrestleMania 11, and you think you know dot dot dot. There's no subtitle, you know. Yeah, there's not such such an anticipated downer. They didn't even bother with a subtitle. It's famous for being yeah. held in Hartford, Connecticut, and that building, while they put sixteen thousand plus in it is most noted for basically being at the end of a shopping mall. Like it's just everything about it is not grandiose in the way WrestleMania usually is. Yeah. And it was in WWE's own backyard in Connecticut, right? I mean, it's should be a big one. Um, the Hartford Civic Center, uh, like I said, a legit sellout, 16,300 fans, April 2nd, 1995. Your commentary team is Vince McMahon and Jerry Lawler. It's the same team that we had for last year's excellent WrestleMania 10. Uh, and it's the yeah, second year in a row for these two. Ring announcer Howard Finkel and uh, the America the Beautiful was sung by Special Olympian Kathy Huey. So... And there were multiple references to the Special Olympics that would be held that July in Connecticut. Uh, so there, obviously this is one of WWE's most, or WWF at the time's most forward thinking. Like, you know, like we we heard Stephanie McMahon say a handful of years ago that you don't really buy ad time anymore when you're the WWE. What you do is charitable works. And this was kind of their first big foray into that field. Oh, yeah. It is a seven-match card, and I believe that is the fewest matches of any WrestleMania uh, going back quite a ways. I mean, I, th I think, like, uh, the previous couple were only, like, nine matches. But if you go back to, I want to say WrestleMania 7 was 14, so it was twice as many matches. Um, and having said that, though, there weren't a lot of long matches here or anything like that, so it's just kind of weird. Um, but like I mentioned, the big draw was Lawrence Taylor, uh, and the hype from him helped the company immensely and improved, improved overall national interest in pro wrestling at the time, actually. So, um, and the, but here, here's kind of a funny thing. The last couple of shows that we've done, John, on, you know, WrestleMania 10 and 9 and whatnot, I've been 
I've been dishing out the Meltzer star ratings because I think you know it's it's kind of fun to just see what how on that one scale that we have uh, how yeah. the matches kind of hold up. The funny thing about this is there was a huge show in Japan on the same day, and Dave opted to go to that. And so yeah. when the newsletter came out that week, he hadn't even watched WrestleMania 11. The star ratings that are in the Observer are not his own. So oh, wow. forget it. <laughs> so we won't be talking about that. Um, but it, kind of, it just kind of shows you he must have anticipated that WrestleMania 11, despite all the hype of Lawrence Taylor, wasn't going to be a particularly good outing for the WWE. I think WWF probably had that sense as well because, you know, you get this opening video package reminding us of the splendor of WrestleManias 1 through 10. Other than, I think, Andre choking Bob Uecker, there's not a wrestler to be found in it. It's a, it's a video package reminding us of all the celebrities that have appeared so far at WrestleMania. Like, this is how you hype your product? <laughs> Yeah, and it was just two years prior to this. Uh, we were talking about WrestleMania 9. There were no celebrities. Right. And then 10, a bunch returned. And then now here at 11, they're like, there are a lot. There are, you know, Pamela Anderson and Jenny McCarthy and Jonathan Taylor Thomas and uh, Nick Turturro. They're ev everywhere, all over yeah. this card. So Absolutely. Um, key absences. Hulk Hogan, obviously, he, he was uh, gone for the second WrestleMania in a row he, after competing at the first nine and closing the first nine. Um, if you're curious about Hulk Hogan, he is in WCW at this point. He wrestled Vader during the previous month's uncensored pay-per-view. So he is firmly with the competition at this point. But also, Randy Savage is not around. Now, he missed WrestleMania 9. He didn't, he didn't compete, but he was on commentary. Other than that, he what he had competed in the first uh, WrestleManias two through ten. He was on the broadcast. He is not around for this one. Um, but you do get the in-ring WrestleMania debut of Jeff Jarrett on this show, and uh, he'd be a, a staple in wrestling for the next. I mean, still. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um. After this WrestleMania, we only have three people that are tied. That are uh, that are we have three people that are tied for the best undefeated streak. We have the Big Boss Man, we have Earthquake, and we have the Undertaker. That are all four and zero after this WrestleMania. And of course, we know the Undertaker is just going to pull away with that stat from here out. Um, interestingly. Uh, Second place, I guess, with 3-0, and you have Demolition Axe and Razor Ramon. So Razor Ramon's kind of was kind of climbing that uh, that accolade as well. And then the list of people that are 2-0 and is so small, we can list them too. It's Mr. T, Tatanka, and Virgil. Everybody else had two, uh, you know, three or more losses or less than two victories, you know? So how about that? Uh, no women's match on this show. And we are, at, at this at this time, we are six months away from Medusa being released, or Alundra Blaze being released, and Medusa right. dropping the title in the trash can. That, both of those things, Alundra Blaze was released from WWE and Medusa through the 
the title and the garbage, both of those things happened in December of 1995. This is April of 1995. So, uh, so we're not too far from that. Um, and that said, I think those are the highlights. The matches don't really matter at this point, uh, but we'll, we'll, I guess we'll go through them just for, you know, completeness sake. Right, John. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Lex Luger and the British Bulldog defeat Jacob and Eli Blue with uh, Uncle Zebekiah, who's Dutch Mantel. Uh, Jacob and Eli Blue are the Harris brothers. You will have to kind of follow them through their various name changes over the years, uh, Skull and Eight Ball and, and whatnot, uh, as we get into later WrestleManias. But Jacob and Eli Blue here. Yeah, and with hair, with long, flowing, like kind of... Yeah do for a new perm kind of frizzed out hair and yes. and uh vince and jerry make absolutely no attempt to tell them apart of course <laughs> they, yeah i still don't think i could uh if they were standing they're standing uh, right here in front of me i don't think i could tell you which one's which absolutely but, not um this is the third straight wrestlemania for lex luger and he's done you know, we won't have him at any more WrestleManias. Um, and this is the first WrestleMania since number seven for Davy Boy Smith. He has been absent for the last uh, th- four years, basically. So, And Luger within one year goes from not headlining, but wrestling for the world title to jerking the curtain back at a time where that really kind of was a slap in the face. You know, nowadays they, they like to start the show hot. Back then you kind of got you got crapped on for jerking the curtain and he went from world title match to jerking the curtain in one year. Yeah. And, uh, and it was a, a match that really didn't, it was non-cost non-consequential. Um, they did win bulldog used a top rope sunset flip to get the pinfall victory. So, uh, they get the win. And then we have a whole bunch of audio issues with Nick Turturro backstage. You know, he can't, they can't get his mic to work, but, uh, what's funny is they have this scene that they're they're playing out, and they go back to it later, and they act like the first thing didn't happen. It was it was kind of <laughs> kind of weird, but um, Jerry Lawler would explain that football is where a lot of men try to move a ball a hundred yards uh, or an object. I think he might have said he said it's like the post office. So that was good because I'm not a big football guy. When we get to the football part, John, you'll have to take over and explain to <laughs> the audience whether these people matter. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> um, the one, two, three kid and Razor Ramon do a backstage promo, and they're having audio issues as well. That's to preview the Razor Ramon and Jeff Jarrett Intercontinental Championship match. Uh, and this year, Razor Ramon will be challenging for the championship. He's accompanied by the one, two, three kid challenging Jeff Jarrett, who was accompanied by the roadie and razor would win by disqualification because there was a whole bunch of interference. Ultimately the roadie uh, did it in front of the referee and, and double J got disqualified. So, uh, but again, he's undefeated at WrestleMania coming in, you know, going in and coming out obviously. And this is Jarrett's first WrestleMania and he's one of the active guys. So, he leaves with a with a bloody nose and jim ross who instead of doing commentary they've got chasing guys back up the aisle after a winner loss to interview them you know on the move and uh we we see uh, we see old, good old jr at this point and we see that uh 
uh, one, two, three kid hits like a, like a, you know, his back spinning kick or whatever. And apparently he lit Jared up because he, his nose is quite bloody as he heads back up the aisle. Yeah, he is. Uh, you know, and it's, a, it was a weird thing that they put Jim Ross in that position. Why did they do that? Like they could have very easily had him backstage and they could have, you know, I guess because Nick Taturo had that role. I suppose, my yeah, guy, you, know, he, you could have had JR just, you know, in gorilla position, just like as soon as they come through the curtain, hey, like, you know, let me get a word. Taturo was the one running around the building looking for Pam Anderson. Yeah, yeah, I guess, uh, I guess we could call it the, he was almost in the Lord Alfred Hayes position. Almost, yes. No, it was <laughs> awkward. Uh, Todd Pettengill, he was also around. He was in the audience with, did you take note who he was in the audience with? Um, a football player. That's why I'm throwing it to you. Oh, like, was this the point where it was Neil? It might have been Neil. And yes, Neil Anderson, uh, former Chicago yeah. Bear running back. He kind of was the guy who replaced Walter Payton. All right. Okay. Uh, the next the next match is the tag team title match. And it'll be um, the Smoking Guns defending the titles against Owen Hart and a mystery partner. The mystery partner ends up being Yokozuna. And this is, uh, this will be the second time on this show that we're talking about an, a wrestler that is still active because Billy Gunn is still active to this day. So uh, we have Jeff Jarrett and Billy Gunn on this card, and they're both active uh, to this day. Still, all these, what is this, uh, almost 30 years later? Yeah, that is incredible. The, the crazy thing is, I mean, not that Jarrett looks bad, but Billy Gunn probably looks better now than he did in 1995. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> uh, and the funny, the uh, another funny thing is Jerry Lawler actually uh, blows the Owen spot and tells everybody that he was the Blue Blazer. He, he made yeah, his, talks yeah. about how he made his WrestleMania debut six years ago to the day as the Blue Blazer. It wasn't a you know he lost to Kurt Hennig in that match, but. Uh, you know, um, Yokozuna uh, wrestled The Undertaker at Survivor Series, and he'd been pretty much absent until this point. So he was gone for, you know, six months or more. And with this appearance, Mr. Fuji has actually been at every WrestleMania except number one and number eight. He had been oh. featured. So very nice. Yokozuna hits the bonsai drop on Billy Gunn. Uh, Bart made the save, but Owen came back in a couple minutes later and made the pin. So <laughs> it's kind of a burial there. The uh, bonsai was very effective. Uh, yeah, but- it, it was so devastating that Owen like came in. He picked up uh, Billy's legs like he was going to put him in the sharpshooter and just went, ah, screw it, and jumped down and hooked the leg and got the one, two, three. Yeah. The big man did look pretty winded after the match, though. I will say that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I, if, you know, remembering the, uh, the documentary where we talked about Yokozuna, like this was the point where he had become kind of so immobile that they were looking for something to continue doing with him. And obviously putting him with Owen, uh, you know, extended his career. You know, they knew, they knew they, they had something with Yokozuna and they didn't want to give up on him yet, but I guess he really wasn't helping himself and putting him with someone who could do the, uh, the most of the work and let Yokozuna just, uh, you know, basically work 30 seconds per match was, uh, you know, helped extend his career. Yeah, for 
sure. Uh, Todd Pettengale then is with Bam Bam Bigelow, and what they do is they uh, Todd shows Bam Bam to get his comment how the whole angle with Lawrence Taylor started, and it happened at the started at the Royal Rumble with LT was kind of laughing at uh, at Bam Bam's elimination, and uh, that's that's what sets us up. So um, <clears throat> the thing I noticed particularly in this promo is you know Bam Bam Bigelow is a big big guy. But he looked to be like in good shape here. He looked—I mean, he yeah. was still big, but he kind of looked like a, a thin big, if that makes sense. Yeah, but he did have those moments in his career. You know, <clears throat> there were times where he was builded, you know, four hundred and fifty pounds at some points, which obviously was not true. But there was times where you'd be like, All right, you know, he's just a just big chubby guy. But there were yeah. times where Bam Bam could really get in shape. And you knew he was he was ready to rock. He did it in uh, ECW when he fa- faced Shane for the the title, and he certainly was in shape here. He looked like he was ready to go. Yeah, yeah. The next match is uh, Bret Hart's match. Bret Hart is going up against Bob Backlund in a submission match, and the special guest referee is announced to be Rowdy Roddy Piper. It'll be Piper's second tour of duty in that role here as a special guest referee. Uh, but no worry, when we talk tomorrow about WrestleMania 12, we'll be talking about him as an active competitor again. So, Backlund making his second WrestleMania appearance. He lost to Razor in 30 seconds or something at WrestleMania 9. Um, but between WrestleMania 10 and WrestleMania 11, Backlund turned heel, won the WWF Championship from Brett. And so he's kind of a bigger star at this point uh, you know as far as a national star goes uh brett would reverse backland's crossface chicken wing and then backland didn't really quit but piper heard something close enough and so piper called the bell um brett hart would call it his worst pay-per-view match ever with no room for ambiguity not not one of this was this was it this was the worst brett becomes the person with the most consecutive wrestlemania appearances he um he had been at he's been at everyone since number two and he surpassed hogan here and he is also tied with randy savage for the most wrestlemania matches at this point so uh, 11 that would be which is pretty good considering Savage had four in one night, you know, didn't right, take Brett right. long to, uh, to get up there. Hmm. Now, Bob Backlund has, tells Jim Ross that he's seen the light. I don't know where they go with that, but yeah, I, that's, I was hoping maybe you remembered what happened in storyline. Therefore, after was, you know, was he saying I almost died or was that him? Was, was that his, I saw the light and he, did he make a, a face turn back? But, Obviously, it wasn't consequential enough for either of us to remember it, you know, in storyline going forward. So he's, I, th- I think he's pretty much done here. Um, yeah. So I think it is kind of him going, kind of going back to being a face, but uh, we'll see him again later as a manager. So uh, the next match is Diesel, and uh, he is the defending WWF champion. This is the sixth match on the card, so the semi-main event, if you will. He's accompanied to the ring by Pamela Anderson, who Nick Turturro thought had left the building. 
And Diesel is going up against his old buddy, Shawn Michaels, who is with Jenny McCarthy uh, and Psycho Sid. So Diesel uh, and Michaels get 20 minutes on the card here, John. Yeah. Yeah. This again, this was as I was uh, running down the card before actually turning it on, as I said, uh, back in probably WrestleMania six. And then a couple other times you see like Hogan with a 20 minute match warrior with a 20 minute match diesel with a 20 minute match. And I'm just not, even though he's in there with Shawn Michaels, arguably the best in-ring competitor of all time. I'm not looking forward to 20 minutes of diesel. Yeah. Yeah. And there's a whole bunch of pomp and circumstance before you even get to the uh, get to the match. And I don't mean Randy Savage's intro music. We had a guest timekeeper was Jonathan Taylor Thomas. Now, uh, WrestleMania 11 time was like home improvement period for for JTT. He was kind of like bouncing out of that uh, out of that sitcom role into more of a movie star at the time. So he's like really young. Uh, and then, of course, the guest ring announcer was Nick Totoro, who had been around the show the whole, you know, the whole show. Um, now, one observation I made here, and I wanted to get your perspective on it, uh, see if you knew anything about it. When Shawn Michaels comes out with uh, Jenny McCarthy and he, she, he kind of brings her around the ring, that place is mobbed. They've got like all the different language commentary booths. Yes, but they have cameramen everywhere around the ring and that's just not typical yeah exactly it looked like <clears throat> i also noticed it in the uh, ic title match because razor and one two three kid tried to like rush the ring and slide in and start with a, a pre-match brawl <clears throat> pardon me and they were ducking they, they were kind of forcing their way through cameramen like it was a uh, you know a boxing match being held in japan like there, yeah. there are people right up against the ring, and they they almost had one whole side of the ring blocked off. Yeah, very non typical. Yeah, yeah. Um. Now, Diesel gets the win here. He wins with a jackknife power bomb. But it, what's funny is Diesel went for the power bomb, and when Sean came down, he darn near landed on his feet. <laughs> so it was. I, I read an interesting uh, an interesting story about that. Okay. Now, of course, of course, Nash and Michaels are buddies. You know, they're they're buddies at yeah. this point. They're buddies, you know, still to this day. Uh, Nash admits that HBK took that jackknife incorrectly, kind of on purpose, to make his finisher look like crap, like. Even with it, like this is one of the very rare times Shawn Michaels is actually putting someone over. Of course, it's one of his buddies. That's the only reason he agreed to do it. And even at that, he's a freaking scumbag in the way he does it. And Nash absolutely uh, acknowledges the fact that that's exactly what he was doing. He was trying to make me look bad. And then, of course, because it's Nash, he has to go on to say, like, but I don't hold any grudge. That's like being cutthroat was rewarded at that time uh, in the WWF. You know, Vince kind of took that as, you know, Sean doing the right thing for himself. Like, oh, here's a guy who still wants the top spot, so he's trying to screw over even his buddy. Like, I, I, as I was reading that, I was like, I, I can't, like, even, like, I, that's exactly the point I wanted to make about this match was, holy crap, HBK is actually putting someone over. <laughs> even at that, he's to be a scumbag. 
Now, uh, John, I'm going to have to back this up a little bit. Shawn Michaels exits this with a two and five WrestleMania record. So he's put some people over before. Uh, granted, could have been Marty taking the pin. And of course, he didn't get it pinned in the, the ladder match or anything like that. So uh, he's practically on his feet when, he, when that match ended. So, uh, but yeah, so uh, Mr. WrestleMania is two and five coming out of this. Diesel was actually making his WrestleMania debut. He was present last year because he was Sean's bodyguard, but he, right. this is his first match, and uh, he's got a he's got some more. I think actually, I think he gets WrestleMania twelve, and that's about it. I, and, mm. and I guess he would get a match maybe at eighteen. So right, right. Uh, okay, next is you know we get Todd Pettengale's got Shawn Michaels backstage, so. Jim Ross didn't get Sean on the way out of the ring, I guess. Um, but but Todd's talking with Sean and Sid. And basically they say it's not over. Uh, but, you know, it's not because we'll, you know, before WrestleMania, uh, one year from now, when we talk about WrestleMania 12, that's going to be Sean's moment. Sure. Right? All the other ones we've talked about, he's two and five. Next year is Sean's big moment. So Now... Did you watch the Peacock stream? Uh, I think at this point I was on Peacock because the the video I had. Uh, yeah, I've, I've been trying to get these all as old school original as possible, and I guess whoever had taped this, you could tell it's taped right off of his VCR because you could see the VCR, uh, you know, commands at the top a couple times. It crapped out for like three minutes in the middle of the Bret Hart match and came back with Bret on the buckles celebrating. So I was like, ah, crap! I don't even remember the ending here. Now I've got to go over to Peacock to watch the end of that match. And I stuck with Peacock at this point. Okay. So there was a salt and pepper performance, right? I, I mean, there had to have been, they were there. I mean, they were there at the, they were standing on a stage uh, in kind of the Okerlund position at, uh, at the end. And I, I, I remember there was, there was a story about how, LT was so blown up, he had to be like basically carried to there to finish celebrating in front of the stage with them. So I don't know if they performed at that point or if they performed before the match or perhaps both. I don't know. I'm pretty positive that they performed before, but it's not on the Peacock stream. Yeah, exactly. Didn't get to Because even when Sean came out, or not Sean, when Bam Bam came out, Vince made a comment on commentary with that Bam Bam wasn't happy with some of the lyrics or whatever from Salt and Pepper, so they must have had a you know some sort of take on it or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And even no no Salt and Pepper performance on the Peacock stream, so go look for your old VHS tapes. Uh, tell me about Lawrence Taylor's All Pro Team. Uh, it's a it's a heck of a squad. Uh, so. It, in no particular order, uh, you have Carl Banks, who was a New York Giants linebacker right beside Lawrence Taylor. They won a Super Bowl together. You have Ricky Jackson, who was a member of the famous New Orleans Saints linebacking corps that was called the Dome Patrol. Uh, back in the 90s, there was this series of like sports posters where they would dress the guys up all funky. The Dome Patrol is one of the most famous ones. It's these four guys, big jack dudes. And behind them, you see the uh, the New Orleans Superdome. 
it's lit up in gold and they're all in like black flight uh you know naval flight gear they're all wearing gold uh terminator sunglasses like this guy was the quintessence of cool uh okay. you've got steve mcmichael who of course would go on to be a horseman ken norton jr another hall of fame linebacker who i believe they even mentioned it on the broadcast he went from the 49ers to the cowboys and the 49ers are the team of the 80s the cowboys are the team of the 90s he becomes the first man in history no team's ever done it he becomes the first player rostered player in history to win three super bowls in a row because he switched teams just as we were going from the era of the niners to the cowboys and of course you have reggie white the Minister of Defense, Hall of Famer, legend with both the Eagles and the Green Bay Packers. And at the time, he would be passed by Bruce Smith. At the time, he was the all-time leader in sacks, which is the category that Lawrence Taylor basically created. Like, the NFL didn't even track sacks until NFL, until Lawrence Taylor came into the league. So, so a, a really impressive group of guys. Very much just so grab they didn't just you know grab the third string type guys they they got no. you know hall of famers basically yeah every one of these guys is a multi-time pro bowler and most of them are hall of famers okay now on the other side bam bam's million dollar team you know essentially uh ted dibiase squad you've got king kong bundy ted dibiase kama mustafa who is the Godfather, Erwin R. Scheister, Tatanka, and Nikolai Volkov. Volkov is a weird one. He's yes. very, he's way up there in in, uh, in years at this point. And I didn't really remember much about this run. But if you look at the way he's dressed as he comes out, he's got, you know, I don't know, million dollar team in gold on the back of his jacket with not the the signature dollar sign on his jacket it's a one cent sign you're yes. <laughs> a cents sign he is sort of the joke of the team he's the, yeah, he's yeah. The, that was the part i didn't yeah. remember i didn't remember how he like i i feel like there must have been some storyline where he was bought out like he was down on his luck and he was bought out by ted dibiase because he seems like he's there like he's replacing virgil like he's he's property of ted dibiase yeah, yeah. I, and i and i think you hit the nail right on the head that's the story with nikolai volkov but a weird just a weird uh person to be in that spot but there you go special guest referee is pat patterson which is a bit of a tradition you know if you go back to wrestlemania one when the celebrities in the ring Who's the ref? Pat Patterson, you know. So, um, so that makes that made sense to me in that case. Uh, Bam Bam would be one and one uh, at WrestleMania, losing to WrestleMania in the WrestleMania Four tournament, and he beat Doink at WrestleMania Ten. Him and Luna Vachon beat Doink and Dink at WrestleMania Ten. So, uh, after of course Lawrence Taylor got the W here, uh, he Lawrence Taylor is one and zero, but. Uh, L, uh, LT hit two, like, um, I want to say, like, running forearms and as opposed to, like, flying forearms. And then he right. hit another one off the top, uh, second rope or whatever and, and got the pin. But really good performance by both guys uh, and probably the most important 
match of Bam Bam Bigelow's career. Yeah, yeah. This, I mean, and and for them to get the the headline spot over Diesel and HBK tells you just like I, I don't remember. Like I said yesterday when we were talking about ten, I think this was a point where I had kind of stepped away from watching wrestling. I'm sure I probably watched it because I remembered some of it in retrospect as I was rewatching it, but I wasn't watching every week at this point. So I didn't remember the impact of this match and how much hype it got. But to headline the card, like, yeah, you have you have guests come in and say they don't get that headline spot a lot of the time. You know, yeah. the headline always goes to, to Hogan or, the, you know, whoever the champ is for them to get the headline spot here. It must have been very important. And for two guys, I mean, if you're Vince, you had to be just shaking in your boots, worrying that this could this could be a disaster. Like Taylor could be awful. Bam Bam, although he's very athletic for a big guy, he still is a big guy. So you're not going to get, you know, HBK-style match out of him. Turned out to be probably better than they could have expected. Yeah, yeah, and uh, and the hype really helped them because I, I think this was going to be, you know, I say the hype helped them, but, you know, had they not had Lawrence Taylor for this, they would have definitely shuffled things around to make sure there was a a, a better outing but you know Bret Hart's third from the top that's kind of crazy as far as pay-per-views from this era go uh and then Shawn Michaels uh Shawn Michaels is down the card but he's about to make his biggest ascent we'll be talking about that tomorrow but um Ted DiBiase would run Bigelow down after the after the show and, and that's pretty much it um yeah. when we watched Wrestlemania 1 I said you know it's pretty much not watchable and WrestleMania 11 has so much better production value, which makes it a little bit more watchable, but definitely skip it. (laughs) (laughs) If you're crunched for time, this is one you can skip over. For sure. Okay, but WrestleMania 12 tomorrow, I've got good memories from 12. 12 was a good year. We've got some good matches. I I can remember like two or three things uh, aside from the main event from this card that really stuck out in my mind as being important at the time. And uh, it'll be fun to talk about that tomorrow. So stick with us tomorrow as we talk about WrestleMania 12. But John, anything else from 11? I think that's it. it you know, this this was the one where we're like, oh, well, eventually we're going to have to get to 11. I didn't absolutely hate it. I didn't, you know, walk away from it three, four times and have to go back to it. I watched it all through in one sitting, but it definitely was a low point for the WWF. The blessing is it was short. Indeed. <laughs> All right. We'll see you tomorrow for WrestleMania 12. See you.